I'm glad that you are here. Leanne Rhymes. How many of you know who Leanne Rhymes is? She has a beautiful voice, doesn't she? Johnny Depp. How many of you know who Johnny Depp is? You either not raising your hands, you're liars, or you're not very cultured. You know these people. Adele, do you know who Adele is? She is the most prolific uh, singer in the world the last two years. Uh, I'd say she's, uh, she's, she's pretty well known, pretty, pretty famous, uh, at least in a lot of places. What about Brooke Shields? Do you know Brooke? Pretty little Brooke. What about Buzz Aldrin? Buzz Lightfoot or Lightyear or whatever. That's kind of his daddy, metaphorically speaking. Uh, Buzz was the second guy to ever step on the moon. So uh, Neil Armstrong beat him, and uh, Buzz went to go back and get some tang, and then Neil jumped out, and he was the first, uh, first on the moon. Famous people, wealthy people, extremely well-accomplished people in their fields. What else do they have in common? They all struggle with uh, serious anxiety and depression issues. Isn't that interesting? Didn't you think just weak people struggled with those things? Well, that would be absolutely not true. And we're going to look again in 1 Kings 19 this morning. Uh, We were in 1 Kings 19 last week. There's so much uh, richness to it. We're going to be in it again today. And we're going to look at some more uh, causes, things that cause us to to take a dive spiritually and emotionally and psychologically. And things that keep us there, but solutions. How do we get out of these things? How do we overcome these things uh, in our life and uh, in, our, in helping other people overcome? Very, very important. So let's start with this. Here's a very important first cause of it, and that's your thinking. Your thinking. Dr. Martin Siegelman is a very accomplished psychologist. He's written a lot, speaks a lot. Mark, Martin Singleman says, your, your emotions follow your thoughts. As you think, so you feel. Proverbs, God said that 2,000 years earlier too, as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. And your heart is synonymous there with your mind. So how you think is going to determine how you feel. And I've heard behavioral psychologists, I think, rightly say, I think this would go with Christianity. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you're thinking, you behave right, you do right. And it's true that your thoughts and your emotions, sometimes it certainly will follow your behavior. But it seems to be in life that the root of everything is how we think. How we think determines uh, often what we're going to do and certainly how we feel. William James was a famous psychologist in the early part of the 20th century. This is a great quote. He said that we can change our lives by changing our thoughts. Change your thoughts, change your life. God said that too. Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Other places it talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's talk about our thoughts because these are hugely important to to what gets us depressed or anxious and, and what keeps us there and what can get us out of there. Here's the first thing, irrational thinking. We think irrational. We don't think rational. We don't think logically. We don't think intelligently. We don't when we're depressed, and we don't on the way down the, the journey. Starting in, in verse 1 through 4, it's kind of a review from last week, if you were here. Ahab, the, the weak king, but wicked king, 
told Jezebel, the evil and strong queen, everything Elijah had done. And he had just showed them up big time. He had killed 850 prophets possibly with the sword. And these were evil prophets. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. Now, this was not an idle threat. This was a lady who meant what she said and said what she meant. This was also an ancient curse formula, so she was putting a hex on him. And it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey to the, the desert, he came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and here's what he prayed. Lord, I've had enough. Kill me. Amen. <laughs> wow. Verse 10. This is Elijah talking to God. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, my people, your people, God, have rejected your covenant. They have broken down your altars, and they put your prophets to death with a sword. I, God, I am the only one left who loves you, and now they're trying to even kill me. In verse 14, the God conversation continues. Listen to this. He replied again, God, I've been very zealous for you, the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars, and they put your prophets to death. With the sword, I, God, am the only one left who loves you. And now they're trying to kill me too. Now listen, I'm not making fun of Elijah's situation. His situation was serious. He had a chick after him who was going to kill him if she could get a hold of him. There was no question about that at all. This was a mean woman and she meant what she said. But listen to how irrational he is. This is a guy that had just prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prays that it rains and it rains after three and a half years. This is a guy that gets in a fight with 850 of the enemy who are evil and he defeats them all. He, that has all just happened in the recent past. And now he's saying, all my works in vain. Everything I've done doesn't count. I'm the only one God who loves you. And now the only good person there is me. They're trying to kill me too. How many of you think Elijah went a little wacko here in his thinking? He absolutely did. You're guilty of this too, aren't you? How many of you know someone who's guilty of this? Wow, y'all got better and different friends than me. I want, to, I want to share with you uh, something. Do you know who Daryl Strawberry is? Daryl Strawberry was a great professional ball, baseball player. Let me share with you a little bit about his, uh, his career. He played professional baseball 17 years. He was an eight-time All-Star, four, time, four times World Series champion, National League Rookie of the Year 1983, uh, two times Silver Slugger Award, National League Home Run Champion in 1988. Yet in the year 2000, he stood before a judge, and he told the judge this. Judge, honestly, my life has not been worth living. How many of you think D. Strawberry went a little irrational there and a little, uh, a little goofy? Now, he had some drug problems. I think he's gotten those straightened out, and he's a, he's a straight-up dude today. But you do the same thing Daryl Strawberry and Elijah did. We start feeling a little bit down. We start saying things like, you know what? I'm the only one really and truly that loves Rustin. I'm the only one that really loves my church. I look around work and all, as soon as 5 o'clock gets here, those slackers hit the road. And I'm the only one left working hard. Amen, right? 
God, no one really loves you like I loved you. Nobody cares like I care. Am I I talking some truth to you? See, you're not crazy, but we think crazy, don't we? Well, this person broke up with me. That means I'm ugly, terrible, and I'll never have a girlfriend or boyfriend again. I struck out, so that means I can never play ball again. I made a B, so that means I won't get in medical school. Normally, they don't look back at your third-grade transcript, children. Look what God did in verse 18. I think it's so, it's so neat how God deals with this whole situation. We're going to see some of the other things he did, but here's what he says. Look, he says, Elijah, you've just, you've just had a little pity party, and you just said the only person in the whole country who loves me is you. He says, listen, I've reserved 7,000 people in Israel alone whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, the false god, and whose mouths have not kissed this false idol. One of the things God did was he challenged Elijah to get his thoughts under control. You know, a lot of times you get depressed and you stay there. You get anxious and you stay there when you start thinking you're not crazy, but you start thinking crazy thoughts. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. Listen, because one person or two people have treated you poorly doesn't mean that. That that may not be a reflection on you at all. That may be a huge reflection on them. Slow your thoughts down. Let me tell you some things this morning. No matter who you are this morning, God loves you more than anybody else in the world. He loves you as much as anybody else in the world. Isn't that awesome? God loves you. We, we could say God loves you more than anybody because God loves everybody the same. So he loves everybody just an unbelievable amount. No matter what you've done, God knows everything you've done, and he still loves you. No matter what you've done or who you are, God still has a purpose and a plan for your life. No matter what your mistakes are, if you're willing to correct them, you're not a failure, you're not a loser, and you're ultimate value to Jesus Christ. He died for you. Quit thinking so irrationally. Here's the second thought pattern. That's negative thinking. None of you struggle with this, but take notes because you know someone who does, I'm sure, so that needs to hear this. Elijah goes major league negative here. I'm the only one who does good. Nobody else cares. The cause is lost. They're trying to kill me now. Now, I'm the only one that loves you. I'm the only one that does good. And we do the same thing, don't we? You notice when you're feeling depressed, you're feeling anxious, if you'll check your thoughts, a lot of times they're not real positive. Clayton and I had a professor in college, a man named Dr. Bill Bushlon. Dr. Bushlon was a psychologist and and a teacher, and he told us in class that when he would counsel people, they'd come to his home for counseling. A lot of times he'd sit down when they were depressed, and he would ask them, tell me something good. Tell me something positive in your life. And they'd say, nothing's good. Nothing's positive. So here's what he'd say. Go outside and do not come back inside. By the way, you're getting billed this whole time. Do not come back in until you can tell me at least two things that are positive, pretty, or good. He said they'd come back in and they would have kind of, they, they would be a little embarrassed and they'd say, well, you know, it is a beautiful day out there. Uh, there's a lot of pretty birds. You know, and they could think of a thousand things they had just seen that were good, positive, and beautiful. One of the things that gets us in a downward spiral and keeps us there is when we, we live in a negative, critical 
thought pattern. Philippians 4, 8, listen to what Jesus says. Finally, brothers, what is true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Isn't that great? If you want to stay down, keep thinking crazy thoughts that you're the only one in life who cares and nobody cares for you, Stay negative, and I guarantee you, you can stay in a bad spot. You want to get out of that spot, and you want to stay out of that spot. Change your thinking. Be rational and be positive. You know, an interesting thing scientists are telling us today is that by our thinking, we can actually change our brain. That, that neuropathways in our brain are constantly being formed. And... and now, this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Don't go home today and say, well, hey, I tried to be rational and positive for one day and it didn't work. Preacher lied. This is lifetime things. You didn't get in the hole overnight. You don't get out of it overnight. But when, when you, by the way you think, you are constantly creating n- neural pathways in your mind. You can change the way your mind actually functions by your thinking. Be rational and be positive. Let's look at number two. Get up and get moving. Get up and get moving. Now, this, I know this sounds like an exercise thing, but it, it's a God thing. In verse 15, the Lord said to Elijah, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Now, the way he came, he had just traveled 40 days by foot. I don't know about you, but I think I'd say, God, can I go a shorter route? Can I do I 40 days? But one of the things that Elijah was doing is he was sitting in a cave. He was full of self-pity. He was depressed. He was down. And God told him, change the way you're thinking and get up and get moving. What happens when you get depressed? When you feel anxiety? You'd start doing the things that are the worst things you can do. You don't want to go out. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to go to school. You don't want to go to ball games. You want to stay in. You want to, you want to find a, a place to hide. And that is super normal, but it's not beneficial. It's, it's interesting. Some symptoms of depression and anxiety are sleep and eating problems. My best friend, when he, when he gets depressed or he gets down... He, he sleeps all the time, and he can't eat. When I get down, I can't sleep. I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning eating Cheetos and ice cream. It's, listen, if you're one of those who sleeps all the time and can't eat, I love you, but I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> because it's much worse to have the Cheeto insomnic thing, okay? <laughs> It really is. But both of those, here's the pattern with both those. When you, start getting, when you start getting inwardly drawn, you start getting down, you start, you start having, and, and I'm not using this to make you feel like a baby, but a little pity party, you find the closet, you shut the door, you turn off lights. the worst thing you can do. Get up and get going. Start walking. Talk to your doctor. Make sure he'll let you. But start jogging. Ride a bike. Get up and get going. You know, and God knew this all along. Doctors tell us now when we exercise, endorphins are released in our system. Endorphins can help reduce pain, and it creates a euphoria. It makes you feel better. Cortisol is a stress hormone that we burn off when we get up and we get going. may not sound super spiritual, but isn't it awesome to know that God knew 
God knew. Of course God knew. One of the things Elijah needed to do was get off his duff in the cave and get moving. And that's what we need to do. Let me give you a third thing. Find and refine or refine your purposes. I used a plural there. Now, this is such a big, big thing. Find, if you don't know, refine what God has put you on this planet for. What a powerful thing. We're going to read verse 15 through 17. The Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nibshimah, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel. Why couldn't this have been Bill, Frank, and Steve, right? And Malah to succeed you as prophets. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. And Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Now, let, let me tell you what was going on. Elijah's sitting in a cave doing nothing. We're going to see in a moment God's going to tell. That's not where you're supposed to be. Elijah was a prophet. Elijah was a leader. In a true sense, Elijah was the pro- a priest to the people of Israel. And when he was down, God let him recuperate. God fed him. God let him sleep. But there came a time he said, Elijah, get up. And not only just get up and start running in place. You were called by me to do certain things. Get up and start doing them again. What has God put you on this earth to do? You see, when you get depressed, you lose sight of those things. You lose focus of those things. You're a parent. God's put you on this earth to be the best parent you could be, to be the best husband you can be, the best wife you can be. If you're a coach or a teacher, is that what God's called you to be? Then you be the very best you can be. If you're a business person, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a preacher, whatever it is, find and refine what God has put you here for. Quit sulking in the closet or the cave and get up and start getting after it. I said this two weeks ago. When I was in the middle of my stuff six years ago, people would ask me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said, what do you mean, what am I going to do? God called me to preach. I, I, I got to get well, and I got to keep doing this. This is what God's called me to do. And, and I'm far from perfect, and I made a lot of mistakes. But one thing I never lost sight of is that God's put me on earth for certain things, and I've got to keep doing those things. Do you want to get well? You know, Jesus, we'll look at this in a few weeks. Jesus looked at a crippled man one time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? See, a lot of people don't want to get well. If you want to get well, get up, get moving. Reassess why God's put you here and get after it. Get after it. And here, this goes with it. Number four, start serving and helping other people. I won't read verse 15 again, but in verse 15, God said, Elijah, you're sitting in the cave. What a terrible place to be when there wasn't ESPN or internet connection, right? Caves had to be extremely boring. And he said, get up, Elijah. I've got things for you to do. I want you to start serving me again. And I want you to start helping people. Get up, Elijah, and start doing something with your life. Carl Jung was a great psychiatrist. Carl Jung was asked one time, 
If a person's depressed and they come in your office, what is the first thing you would tell the depressed person to do? He said, it wouldn't be the only thing I would tell them, but here's the first thing. I would say, get up, walk across the street, and help somebody. Isn't that interesting? You know, you say, well, I don't know where to serve. There's a card in your bulletin we're going to go over in a minute. There's a hundred places you could serve right here in this church. But see, part of this is, is you were built for this. You were built to serve God and to serve people. And if you want to get out of the doldrums, one of the ways that you can is stop having a feel sorry for yourself time. You may need a little bit of that time, but at some point you've got to break through that. Find what God's put you here for. You say, I don't know what it is. Just start helping out. Start serving God and serving people. And here's the last thing that brings it all together. Get to where you need to be with God. Now, see, this is a biggie that's missed real easy. Where are you and God this morning? Well, I want to tell you, and I don't want to face him someday in heaven about this, but I'm going to have to throw Elijah under the bus. Elijah wasn't where he needed to be. And verse 9, it says, He went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and he said, Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? Now, by the way, this cave was on Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is synonymous with Mount Sinai. This is the holy, holy place for the Jewish people. What did they get on Mount Sinai? What did Moses get? The Ten Commandments. God said, what are you doing here? In verse 13, when Elijah heard it, he heard God's voice. He pulled his cloak over his face. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? This is not where you're supposed to be. And in verse 15, I love it. Go back the way that you came. Elijah needed to get moving. He needed to change his thoughts. He needed to start serving and helping again. But guys, this is phenomenal. The mighty prophet Elijah, the godly prophet Elijah, part of his problem was physically as well as spiritually in his heart, he was not where God wanted him to be. And I want to tell you, when you are not where you need to be with God, you are going to have issues... God created us with a a hole in our heart that can only be filled by Him. You've got that vacuum. Some of you are trying to fill that with other things, money or or success or whatever. Those things go right through that hole. That hole only God can fill. And if you're living in ways that that are not approving to God, you are never psychologically going to be as healthy as you could be. I want to share with you, this was a study that, that uh, it, was, it was written in the uh, American Journal of Preventive Medicine a few years ago. But it was talking about doctors and social scientists. It said for years, they said this. They said that, that teenagers got sexually active and used drugs to deal with depression. They were depressed, so they became sexually active and they started getting high. Well, this extensive study came out, and the health policy researcher, a lady named Denise, said this, our studies showed us just the opposite, that it was the sex and the drugs that led to the depression and anxiety. And this is just a little brief part of it. 
And looking at the, the ladies they'd interviewed, the ones who had experimented with drugs and who had been sexually active, they were two to three times more likely to be depressed than the girls who had abstained from sex and abstained from drugs. The teenage boys, teenage young men who, who had engaged in alcohol use were four and a half times more likely to be depressed than the abstaining group. Boys who had smoked marijuana were more than three times more likely to be depressed than those who abstained from smoking. I, I tell you, that's just, to me, that's just telling us what God's been telling us all along. When you sin, things don't get better. It gets worse. And those doctors were saying that. It, they weren't doing it because they were depressed. They, they did these things, and it brought the depression and anxiety on them. I'm talking to you as your pastor, but I'm telling you the truth. If you are not a Christian, you need to give your life to Christ this morning. That is the foundation. That may be why there's the hole in your heart and why you can't ever seem to get over that hump with your your anxiety or depression. You need Christ. And some of you are Christians. And you're, you're, you're down or you're anxious. And if you really examined it, this may not be the case, certainly not the case with everybody, but it may be with you. It may be because you're not where you need to be with God. Maybe God's looking at you this morning and saying, go back to the way it used to be. Medicine's good. Counseling's good. But nothing can replace being in a right relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Christian, we'll talk to you in just a moment, a little bit more. But, man, this morning, I I pray that as we've walked through these, these principles that God's spoken to your heart and you're willing to do whatever you need to do to get well, to stay well. And if you're not a Christian or you're unsure, if you're ready today, if you're ready today to seriously cross that line with Christ, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent. I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I surrender to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment, and when we do, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. This is your time to respond to God. I want to challenge you to respond to Him. Maybe today, you prayed and asked Christ in your heart, or maybe you're ready to do it. When we stand, I know it's hard, but would you step out? Would you come today? Would you cross that line with Jesus? Maybe you're looking for a church home. You're ready to join. One way you can join today is when we stand. You can come. We'll be ministers down here. We'll help you with it. Come and join us today if God's leading you to. Christian, this morning, maybe you want to come to the altar and pray with a minister or just kneel down and pray let us love on you pray for you maybe Christian the truth is is that you need to go back to where you were with God be that where you're standing at the altar if you want to get well you've got to respond let's stand and let's respond now as God leads you